Hello, my little sugar cubes. Welcome to the Fitness Manifest Podcast. If you're alive, you are Effects might include motivation, empowerment, giggles, enlightenment, inspiration. Welcome to 2022 and the Fitness Manifest podcast. We might be out with the old and in with the new, but my name is still Teresa Sedeno, and I'm still a personal trainer teaching you how our bodies work, how to incorporate new healthy habits, and how to reach your fitness goal with longevity in mind. So you'll still be eating healthy and working out past February. This episode was inspired by my conversation with Olive Bassey from the Expand the Curve podcast. If you haven't listened to episode 26, check it out in the link below. Olive and I talked about a lot of stuff, one being how BMI contributes to our internalized fat phobia. It's one of the first numbers we're exposed to that classifies how good or bad we are. Currently, BMI is used by healthcare professionals to assess an individual for health risks, even though it happens to be quite flawed. After talking with Olive, I was interested in learning about its creation and why it's the default now. Let's get started. And let's begin with what is BMI? Well, BMI stands for Body Mass Index, and it's a measurement to classify body weight and estimate adipose tissue, which is your fat. Doctors use it to assess your risk for health problems by classifying an individual in one of six categories. Underweight, healthy, overweight, obese class 1, 2, or 3. The way it's calculated is by taking your weight and dividing it by your height squared. I'll link the equation in the description. According to the current system, if your BMI is less than 18.5, you're deemed underweight. 18.5 to 24.9, you are classified as healthy, and every 4.9 points moves you up to the next category. For my visual learners, a table showing the classifications is in the description box. Based on this formula so far, you just need to know the weight and height of someone or something to calculate the BMI. There's no rule saying you couldn't calculate the BMI of a piano based on this. But a body is composed of many different tissues, unlike the piano. Things like water, organs, tissues, bones, and muscle all make up lean mass, which contribute to the weight of an individual without increasing the risk of diseases. In fact, if you didn't have these extra things, you would be very sick. The BMI doesn't view humans as complex. Instead, it simplifies them, which raises the question, Why would it be necessary to simplify people when health is so individualized? And to answer the question, we have to go back to its creation. Back in the 1800s, there was no standardized test to track health risks among people. So enter a man named Adolf Quetelet. He created a weight-to-height index he called the Quetelet Index. Who was Adolf Quetelet? A physician? No. Just a smart guy who knew a lot of astronomy, math, statistics, and sociology. Because of his love of statistics, he was obsessed with analyzing a population's mean to identify the average man, or in his eyes, the ideal man. In order to complete this massive task of analyzing millions of people, he needed to eliminate as many unique variables as possible. The Quetella Index, the precursor to BMI, was a tool developed to analyze whole populations. It was never intended to work on individuals. Later, in the 20th century, a man named Ansel Keys, an American nutritionist, 
expanded on Quetelet's work and coined the term body mass index, or BMI for short. Rather than stop at the relationship between weight and height, Keyes argued there was a correlation between weight, height, adiposity, and risk for disease. This is the man who decided BMI could predict the risk for diseases. The popularity of his published paper drew in insurance companies who saw that BMI could identify healthy versus at-risk individuals. The higher risk the individual was for chronic diseases or death, the higher premiums they could charge. Later in 1985, the National Institute of Health, the NIH, began to use BMI also, but this time to define obesity in the United States. And since then, BMI has been the primary screening tools for medical professionals and life insurance agents. The rest of the world soon adopted BMI as a standard screening tool because of how easy it was to calculate. BMI is a useful tool for governments and institutions to identify correlations between economic and political factors with body mass. But using BMI as a tool to score someone's health is flawed. The biggest flaw being that it's not good at accounting for where fat is stored. Where fat is stored in your body is important because there are two types, one of which is more hazardous to your health than the other. Visceral fat, or fat around your abdominal organs, is dangerous because it releases proteins and hormones that cause inflammation. This inflammation eventually damages your arteries, liver, and disrupts how your body breaks down sugars and fats. All of these conditions manifest themselves as high cholesterol, obesity, and heart attacks. Then there's subcutaneous fat, which is stored directly underneath the skin and is practically harmless. Because BMI can't identify the type of fat nor how much there is, it cannot accurately diagnose the patient. This isn't the only area BMI fails. It also fails to accurately grade Asians, African Americans, athletes, pregnant or nursing women, and people above the age of 65. Asians are often misclassified because their body leans toward visceral fat storage. African Americans and athletes, on the other hand, have more lean mass and often have their fatness overestimated. BMI being a ratio of weight to height fails to consider that muscle makes you healthier and can actually ward off heart disease and type 2 diabetes. Pregnant and nursing females obviously are going to be carrying extra weight during this time, so BMI is going to be very skewed and incorrect. Lastly, and the one I found most interesting, is how BMI misinforms elders. A meta-study by Winters et al. found elders with a BMI close to 27 had lower rates of mortality. Remember, the BMI system classifies someone with a BMI of 27 as overweight and at risk of chronic illnesses. But with elders, it's better. Being overweight increases their longevity. Elders should be overweight to a certain extent because they will have more strength and energy when they get sick. Elders with a greater BMI were also shown to have faster recovery times. Overall, BMI is simply not good at encompassing differences within a population. So what is a better health risk evaluator? The waist-to-hip ratio is a good replacement contender. In this case, you or a healthcare provider would take the measurement of your waist and divide it by the measurement of your hip. If you get a number smaller than 0.85, you have a low risk of chronic diseases. If you get a number above 0.9, you're at a high risk. And if you fall in between the two, you're at a moderate risk of health issues. 
My visual learners, you know where to go. The description box. The reason why the waist-to-hip ratio is better is because it focuses on the belly region, where dangerous visceral fat accumulates. Then there's bioelectrical impedance. This is a machine that sends two painless electrical currents throughout your body. This is done with sensors you hold and stand on. The machine will then estimate your water weight, body fat, and basal metabolic rate based on the speed the current passes through you. This machine is commonly found at commercial gyms or supplement stores. The recent favorite is the DEXA scan. Dual Energy X-ray Absorbmetry. Ab absorptionmetry. Dual X-ray... Okay, hold on. I think I can do this. I can say it right. One more time. Dual Energy X-ray Absorptionmetry works by sending two low-dose X-rays which are absorbed differently by bones and soft tissues. The density profiles from these x-rays are used to calculate bone mineral density and body composition. DEXA is painless and takes about 10 minutes, but is still very expensive to get done. It costs around $150 to $250 out of pocket to get a scan, and it costs an average of $15 to $37,000 to purchase a DEXA scan, making it not yet a viable option for your primary doctor's office. As you can see, there are many other methods for assessing an individual's risk for health problems, and while they're not perfect, they are still useful awareness tools. Each one has flaws, but using more than one screening tool to measure your health will be most accurate. To be healthy, remember to focus more on eating vegetables, getting physical activity, and managing your emotional eating. Hopefully, this episode will make you feel better next time you go in for your physical check. As we wrap up this episode, it's time for the Manifest Challenge! If you are new to the podcast, the Manifest Challenge is an action step that helps you progress in your health and fitness journey. This episode's challenge is to take your waist-to-hip measurement. Instructions are linked below. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Fitness Manifest Podcast. I'm your host, Teresa Sedeno, and talk to you next time. Happy New Year! Side effects might include motivation, empowerment, giggles, enlightenment, inspiration. Boop, boop.